Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Pod. Uh, we have a very special MLS episode as it celebrates its 25th year. It just announced uh, due to a nomination committee, the 25 most brightest players in league history. And we have one of them, Kobe Jones. LA Galaxy's Kobe Jones, the most capped player for the United States men's national team, joins us to talk about his career, LA Galaxy, where MLS is right now, and so much more. Stay right here because Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Uh, today, we have a very special episode of Que Golazo as we celebrate the 25th year of MLS. Uh, the league has announced a special tribute honoring the 25 brightest players in the league's history. A special panel of nearly 200 MLS experts came together to select the 25 players who not only achieved so much in the field, but also were part of the league's growth and impact. And from 137 nominations of the most decorated and impactful players in the league history, the nomination committee looked for players who accomplished specific accolades and attributes throughout their career. From winning titles to leading the charts in several statistics, 25 were chosen. 25, not ranked, all equally worth their value. And I have one of them here today, the great Kobe Jones, two-time MLS Cup champion with LA Galaxy, two-time Supporters Shield champion, two-time US Open Cup winner, and the CONCACAF Champions Cup as well, a nine-time MLS All-Star selection, 91 assists in his career, and that's ninth most in all time. And also worth mentioning, by the way, the most capped player for the United States men's national team with 164, three World Cups. You know what, Kobe? I could go on and on and on. Welcome to Kego Lasso and CBS Sports Digital, Kobe Jones. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, well, thanks for having me. And, and, and trust me, I, I loved hearing all those accolades. <laughs> you can you can just keep repeating that anytime you want, you know? <laughs> I know, right? Let's just do an episode where just, just talk about your career. I'm sure you'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But well-deserved, uh, my friend, and well-deserved on this uh, recent list. First of all, what does it feel like to, to, to just hear that you're part of MLS 25 Greatest? It's fantastic. It's an honor. You know, this is, this is something that I couldn't have dreamed of in, in 1996, you know, thinking that, you know, 25 years later that I would be put on that list. I mean, this is, that, that was a time where there was excitement then, and we're just kind of figuring our, our, our way through it all and trying to figure everything out and to see just where the league has gone you know, over that 25 years and to still be recognized after that. It, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit humbling. And we're going to talk about the league and your thoughts on it. Uh, of course, you were there from the very beginning. Uh, some incredible memories for you, Kobe, including 1998, of course, when you scored 19 goals, 13 assists, uh, winning MLS Cup in 2002 and 2005. Do you have a favorite memory, Kobe? 
I have to say, I mean, a lot of those are great memories, especially like you said, winning the first MLS Cup. That was something special, and that's definitely one of the highlights. But but I like to spread out some of the highlights, you know, here and there. And one one that I really liked it was the 1996, the opening game. You know, that that was something special for me to be able to to score the first goal in the LA Galaxy's history, you know, in front of 69,000 fans. And and why I say that because obviously the first goal, 69,000 fans. People might not remember, but I do. And I remember the week before, the two weeks before the game, we were wondering if we were going to get 10,000 fans. We were wondering if we were going to get 10,000 fans to show up to the opening game. And that that game, I mean, wow, 69,000. I still remember people were telling me that there were when the game was over, mind you, when the game was over, there were still people lined up on the freeway trying to get into the match because they had only planned with security and parking and everything for like 10,000. How crazy is that? So yeah, that, that whole first game, but especially scoring that first goal, it, it was, it, it stands out for me. That's absolutely insane. And in an age, it's such a shame because, you know, in an age where social media didn't exist, can you imagine just like the incredible things that you probably would have felt throughout, but absolutely. Do you think Kobe, because you didn't begin your career in MLS, do you think that, um, I mean, you think about it right now and how it like was so amazing. Does it have to do, do you think with like, obviously, uh, you know, how soccer was just beginning to like, that fire was beginning to burn in the US, but you really, you know, you came, you came from Brazil to come to the US. Was it uh, a difference in audiences, do you think? Or is it like, wow, this city really is embracing it? Because one thing that I love to talk about LA and its soccer community, it's heavily multicultural. Right, it's it's heavily as well Mexican American. Was that the same back then, or uh, is there something else to it? Because that's an amazing number. Just watching those games and that. Yeah, time. well, the, well I, look, this this is the funny thing, right? You know it, I know it. We all know it now that the the soccer community here in Los Angeles is is diehard. They're all about the sport. You go back to '96, people did not think that. Now, like you said, I I played in England. And then in Brazil, and the, the whole thought process then was, you know, between the World Cup in 94 and the start of MLS in 96, you know, it was, okay, you go play away somewhere else for a couple of years, and then the, you come back. That was the thought process. The, the star players from that 94 team, they had options, you know, to, to kind of pick where they wanted to go, but be placed in cities. I was low man on the totem pole then. I was, you know, a young player, one of the rookies. I was given basically a couple of options. And before they even put anything out there, I was like, I want to play in LA. And, and the league was ecstatic. Why? Because other players that had been given that option didn't want to go there. Right. They said, no, no one's going to go. No one's going to come support in Los Angeles. There's not going to be any fans out there. They got too many other different things. I was like, this is my home. I love it. I'm going to LA. And lo and behold, the fans stepped up. The fans showed out. The fans proved you know, the pl those players wrong, proved the league wrong, everything, everyone came out and it's probably, I mean, others will argue with me, but I still say it's one of the most rabid and fantastic fan bases for sports, for soccer, you know, in the world. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I concur. And it's so funny because when I think of like MLS now, right? And, you know, Joseph Martinez in Atlanta United, even Carlos Vela in LAFC, or just when David Villa came to New York City FC, or Kaka in Florida, 
you know, you guys set the trend about, you know, going back to a city that you care so much about and sort of growing that audience is kind of incredible um, and really, really commendable, to be honest. Young kids really need to remember this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, I, all the kids, if you can, Google it, you know, <laughs> Google it. If you can, you know, go on, you, you know, go on the social media, you know, my social media, Galaxy social media, and they'll tell you some of these old stories, you know, from back in the day, like you, like you mentioned before, there wasn't social media then, so you can't really grasp the entirety of it. I would have loved to have seen, you know, all the all the fans sitting on the freeway going, what's going on at the stadium? How can we can't get in? You know? <laughs> I know that would have been amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Listen, in this list, there are quite a few LA Galaxy players, actually. Robbie Keane, David Beckham, Kevin Hartman, Robin Fraser. It's quite a collection. How do you feel about what this club has achieved through the years? I know that you talked about the very first few years, but as you move on, and as you mentioned, of course, LA, the city being such a huge soccer city, how do you feel about it now, especially as you see all these LA Galaxy players uh, in this list? Uh, I, I think it's absolutely amazing because I think LA, the city, the fans, the team, the former players have set the tone. You know, they establish everything you know, in the past. And I'm a big believer that you don't forget the past, you know, because that's what everything is built upon. Why do you, why do you, why does everyone think that David, David Beckham chose to come to LA rather than another team? Why does Robbie Keane, you know, come to this team? Why does Landon, where he played in, in other, on other teams, want to come back to LA? You know, because it, it had been established in, in its entirety, not just the players, not just the organization, but the fans and the city that everybody wanted to embrace, you know, uh, soccer, you know, in the city and embrace it so much that it was like, yeah, we can, we can take two teams. <laughs> we can have two teams in here because there is so much passion for the sport. And I think we've seen it from what LAFC has done, what the Galaxy have done in the past and what they're continuing to do, that it, it's going to be the hotbed of soccer in the country. I was going to ask you this later, but I'll ask it now. Would you have wished uh, for El Trafico uh, to play in El Trafico when you were playing? Yeah, that, that would have been fantastic to play in that. I mean, we had we had something where you know where it was against Chivas USA, you know, right. but you know it's very different. You know, now just a different feeling to have two LA based teams, you know, going against each other. Where I love that there's another team in Los Angeles. Why? Because it makes it gives you rivalry. And that is something that you get to build up and talk about for weeks on end, bef weeks before the game, during when the battle is about to happen and when it's going on that weekend. And then weeks after, you know, there's the braggers and the sore losers. You know, that's, that's what sports about. You know, that's what I love about it. So, yes, I'm, I'm happy, you know, that, that this is all happening now. I would have loved to have been a part and been able to compete within El Trafico. It would have been fantastic. Is there anyone you would have loved to play against? or with, as you're looking at all these years? I mean, uh, the talent that was around when you were playing, of course, but now that you're watching now, is there anybody in the league that you think, man, I wish I would have gone against him? Uh, against, you know, I, I was happy to go up against anyone. I would say it's more along the lines of playing with. When I look at the, the Seattle team right now, uh, I, I really would have loved to play with a player like Ladero. I think that he is probably the one of the most underrated players, you know, in this league and what he can do and what he can give. I, I would also put Rui Diaz, you know, oh, there you as, go, Kobe, as, as as well. But you know, I feel like I played with a player like Rui Diaz and Carlos Ruiz, 
Those guys are killers in the box. You give them the ball around the around the box, around the goal, it's going in 50% of the time. And that, that says something. When you have someone like that, it, it, it's a relief for any winger to be able to have someone like that. Kobe, you're talking to a Peruvian. You got okay. <laughs> behind my wall. I, I, listen, and I did not, everybody that's listening, I did not tell Kobe to say Ruidias, okay? So just FYI. <laughs> I, I agree. I think uh, especially, and I love Jordan Morris as well. What, what a tremendous player. Just every time he has the ball, we always talk about it in the, in the pod. You feel like something special is going to happen. Uh, a tremendous uh, trio right there. Listen, Kobe, let's, uh, let's talk about the Galaxy now. It was a tough season for them. Uh, Chicharito had a tough season. Guillermo Barros, Skeloto, obviously not there anymore. What do they need to do, do you think, to get back on track? Because this is st still a very t talented team, a very talented team that's obviously fighting in a very tough uh, Western Conference. But what do you think they need to do uh, for 2021? For 2021, the Galaxy need, need to get everything consolidated and in order and going in the right direction. You know, and, and, and what I mean by that is, look, I, I'm critical of the team and the performance that was out there and critical of the individual players. And a lot of that falls on Chicharito, of course, but, but play, let's play devil's advocate for a minute. Chicharito comes in as a huge signing for the Galaxy, right? And he comes in and, and anyone can tell you, there's with few exceptions, when you come into this league, it takes time to adjust to this league, right? It, it could take a year, it takes a few months. One of the best coaches within MLS says that Bruce Arena, that it takes time. Now there's, there's players like Robbie Keane that kind of fall into it right away. And, but even him, he got better as he got used to the league. Chicharito comes in, he gets a month, two months into the league, boom, shut down. All of a sudden the league shut down for three, four months. Then he could, we come start training, come back, the bubble, boom, injury. So then, you know, you go through the bubble, you come back, he's got in, then he comes and plays a little bit, gets injured again. You know, he hasn't had a full season. So the criticisms that I hear about Chicharito, yes, they are valid, but I do take them with a grain of salt of understanding that Chicharito hasn't even had a full complete year playing with this team. And mind you, this team has had multiple coaches over the, the last few years, multiple changes in players over the last few years. So there hasn't been consistency. So there needs to be some, some consistency for the Galaxy, but also from the Galaxy's understanding and from their side, look, the fans want some results. So even though as you're building consistency, you've got to get some results out there and win some of those games that you're supposed to win and do whatever it takes to make sure that you grind out results. Because I think the fans would be, would be understanding with everything that's going on as long as you were grinding out some of the results. And I think that's where the Galaxy failed quite a bit is that they didn't, they weren't able to grind out results when they were up one nothing or, or two to one. They, they let things come back into ties or to eventual losses. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially about the COVID-19 year, you know, so many stops and starts. It's very difficult for a player, especially a player who's never even experienced, at least at full level, the culture of uh, U.S. North American soccer and then come in and then be asked to do so much, especially when you have to replace Slatani Brain, which is a completely different type of striker. So you make a little it bit of pressure, a little <laughs> bit of pressure. <laughs> do you, by the way, you were obviously part of uh, the Rude Hullet times. Uh, do you miss uh, that side of the game or would you ever think of, uh, you know, joining like that? Maybe not even MLS, but 
it's specifically the coaching side. Do you still do a lot of it or do you miss it? Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I, I do miss it. I have been considering lately, you know, of getting back into the coaching side of things and, and what that would entail is just, it's just a matter of finding the right fit and where to go. Uh, I, I do love it. I do love being out there, you know, with the guys and being part of the team on a significant basis day in and day out. That's something that uh, any player will tell you that they miss, you know, just being part of the group you know, and being part of the organization and having those highs and lows of, of battling, you know, weekend and week out, you know, on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it would be great to have Kobe Jones right there uh, on the sidelines. It would be awesome. Listen, I think I asked you this earlier, but I would love to hear it again. Uh, or maybe I asked you even before we started recording was you, you've been there since the beginning, right? Uh, you, you know, this league, you see how it's growing. What do you think of it right now, especially as it's a selling market, right? Look at Alfonso Davies going over there, Miguel Almiron, of course, and now all these young uh, American players, Brendan Aronson going to Salzburg, of course, so many talented players from MLS being discovered in MLS. That's a big deal. How do you, how do you see it right now uh, as MLS looks to the present and the future? Well, I think that this is exactly what MLS wanted to do. And I think this is a transition period now. Now everyone, within MLS is just saying, okay, we're going to be the biggest league in the world. Okay. That's a possibility, you know, down the road, you have to go through transitions. And I think we've gone from that baby stage into, okay, that sell on market where you have players from around the world, be it from Paraguay or Mexico or wherever saying, okay, let me go to MLS, play for a few years, see if I like it or not, and decide if I'm going to move on from there. I think it's very interesting where you've seen, especially, you know, from Mexico, you've seen a lot of players kind of jump on board to MLS as a possible movement to Europe, with mm -hmm. them thinking that the understanding is that there seems to be, for, I don't know why, so don't complain to me, but just a thought that if you can compete and do well in MLS, it's an easier transition into Europe rather than Mexico. Now that's not just Mexico, you see other countries with a lot of players, you know, coming here saying, as you said, this is a sell on market. A lot of teams from Europe are looking over here. So I think that's fantastic. But the ultimate goal is to continue to improve, you know, within MLS. Now we're a sell on market now for a few years, but I expect even now there's the thought of, well, can we hold on to some of these players? Can we keep them here and keep developing them to the next level where we start to be a, a market where everybody wants to come and be their top choice, you know, to go and play? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, we talked about Rodias. He's a perfect example, right? Uh, you know, an international with Peru, but he's been here now a few years. So obviously MLS Cup win already. And, you know, there are players that if they stick around, they can help nurture and grow major league soccer. Kobe Jones, before you leave, let me talk to you about something else in LA. Uh, you're also part of the Angel City FC group. Um, how excited are you for the women's game to be represented in Los Angeles? Because they'll be playing actually... Bank of California Stadium, which is uh, interesting enough, but it's just great to see, right, that the, the nurturing and the growth and the development of the women's game in Los Angeles. Uh, you, you said it all. It, it's fantastic to see the women's game continue to grow. Uh, Angel City FC uh, being joining in the NWSL and coming in in 22. I love the fact that I was able to be part of this ownership group. 
I love the fact that it is is coming to Los Angeles because over the years, it for those that know know. I mean, there was a lot of push to say let's get a team in Los Angeles, let's get an NWSL team in Los Angeles, and it, it took some time, but finally the persistence of the fan base, the persistence of the the current owners, and the thought of the current owners uh, brought a great group of people together that all wanted to be a part of this and. And it's fantastic to see that in 2022, we're, we're getting the team, the Angel City team in Los Angeles, and we're, we're supporting. Because what this is about is not only about the growth of women's soccer you know, in Los Angeles, it's about all those little girls and boys that can look up to strong athletic women playing a sport that they love. It's also about the growth of the sport. This is what you want to do. You want to grow this sport in every different arena that you can, because that's the sport that I love. That's the sport that's allowed me to make a living. And if I can help in any way, I'm going to do it. And, that, and that's what I'm doing now by supporting and being one of the founders at Angel City. Yeah, it's well, well said, especially in L.A., where it's such a multicultural, uh, diverse, uh, you know, a group of people around different communities, black, brown, Latino, Asian. It's just great to see Kobe Jones, part of the 25 list, greatest, always, always welcome here at Kegolasso. Congratulations on the vote and good luck with everything that happens in the future. And maybe, hey, maybe we'll see you in the sidelines one of these days, huh? Yeah, maybe. Kegolasso. <laughs> beautifully, beautifully. Kobe Jones, thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank Kobe Jones for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Kego Lasso Pod and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Plenty more content coming your way, including the MLS Cup preview with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. We will see you very soon. Have a great day.